Am I on? Yes, I am. Woo, I am on. How are y'all this morning? Good. Welcome back, Chad and Julie. Hope y'all had a great time, rested and relaxed, and I heard the first night was all amazing and awesome as you had to switch rooms. <laughs> yeah, they thought they were getting a spectacular place, and um, it was not as spectacular. The room was not as spectacular as they thought, so they had to switch rooms, so it was, I'm sure it was a fun night for them with kids, especially flying in late at night, but thank y'all. Um, hope you got some rest, been praying for you, um, and that you're revived and ready to get back. Um, to serving. Last week, um, we talked a little bit from Ephesians. Um, does anybody remember what we talked about? Not that I forgot. I was just asking. <laughs> Nobody? Does anybody remember about being kind? About being patient? To who? Please, somebody say neighbor. neighbor. Oh, thank you. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Anybody kind or compassionate to some, your neighbor this week? A neighbor, not your family, but a neighbor. You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about it. Because when the pastor gets up here to preach, not just nearly me, but Chad or whoever, anybody that you listen to, what should we be doing afterwards? Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully applying it. Hopefully listening and going out and doing, right? Um. This week we're in Ephesians chapter 5. I did bring the readers today. My wife reminded me, so um, she was in her purse. We put it in there, so we're good to go. Um, I did warn Quinn that I'll be probably calling him out every now and then just to stop. So we're going to go through chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, I believe it is. You ready, Quinn? Here we go. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Go back to verse 1, Quinn, for me, please. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Jocelyn just missed about this imitating, right? How many of us, how many of you have children? Most of us. We understand that children do what a lot of times? They follow us. I have nieces and nephews. I understand. They're right there, okay? I took one canoeing last week, <laughs> you know? And I realized, too, in that moment, as we're just, he and I just kind of having a relationship together, talking and whatnot, and realizing he's jumping off the canoe every three minutes, you know, swimming back, and realizing that he's not as strong swimmer as he thought. He had his life jacket on, Julie. Don't worry, okay? And so I was watching him, had the paddle, come on, buddy, you know, and all this. But I realized how much he looked up to me. And I realized I'm a very sarcastic person, right? Well, if you don't know that, I am. And I realize that even in my sarcasm, I have to be careful of what I say around my nieces. Not just him, but all 17 of them that I have now with Diane's family. And not that it's a bad thing. But I realize more and more how much children imitate us, right? When you get angry, have you ever watched them when they get angry? When you're compassionate, have you ever watched them be compassionate? 
this whole imitating of God. And therefore it says, be imitators of God. So what does that look like? Are we following a Jesus? Are we walking side by side with him? Are we imitating his characteristics? Are we loving? Are we being patient? Are we being compassionate? Are we being kind? Are we doing all the other things that we talked about last week of not doing? He says, as beloved, he says, first, and think about that, it says, be imitators. That word be, it's, an, it's pretty much an action. It's a continuous verb. In other words, be in the moment, be constantly doing, be continuously imitating Christ. Beloved children, think about the beloved part, the precious, much loved. God considers us precious. He is, we are very loved, you know. Um, but yet he calls us his child. You know, God's design for families from the beginning was to have a father and a mother. And they were to lead the family. They were to be, they were to be the, the parents, not just friends, but the parents who were guiding, who were loving, who were teaching, Right? And we look around this world today, have we lost that? What are parents doing now to their kids? Oh, learn this way. I'll take them to church. Let them get it all from there. If we're not doing it at home, don't expect them to continue to do it throughout the week. He designed it to be, the family to be that part. He's also designed the family to be loving. When we think about this, the Heavenly Father, as we are to imitate his characteristics every day in our life, to be humble, be kind, be patient, but also to be just, right, and true, and at times, disciplining. On that children part, I think about this. As children, we grow, we imitate our parents a lot of times. Because if you look at me and you look at my dad and we stand right next to each other, you'll see the resemblance. You'll see the characteristics that I have as my dad. You know, this week, we were talking about where to go to dinner last night. And so, mom mentioned a place, and dad was like, ah, and threw a napkin. Kind of overdramatic. Some things that I do with my wife. Just overdramatic and being stupid, right? And so, it's like father-like son kind of thing. But as a child, and you look up to your father, and you think about all the things that he's done for me, and continues to do, how much more a heavenly father just for us. And the greatest part about being a child, and not from the physical standpoint, so hear me out when I say this, is talking about the spiritual. We have an inheritance in heaven. We have a place that we're going. We have a mansion that he's building for us. He has a job that he wants you to do, that you're going to be a part of. And here's the great thing that probably most of us miss, is that you realize that you are going to help rule with Christ What are you going to rule? I have no idea. I'm not positive. But I know he says that you are co-heirs with him. And if I'm co-heirs with him, I have an inheritance, and I will help rule. That's pretty amazing, right? <coughs> Verse 2. It says, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant and sacrifice to God. To walk, an action, an ongoing process of moving forward. Continue to love as you're either moving forward or you're what? You're sliding backwards, right? 
When we move forward, we have a purpose. We have a destination that we're going to. And the same thing in our spiritual life. Where are you headed? Where are you wanting to go? Where is your desire? Where is your heart leading you? Is it to the things of God or is it to the things, and we're about to talk about the darkness we talked about last week. You know, a lot of times we focus on this and our purpose and our goal, and we head that and say, God, I love him. We sing songs, and, and we think that we're doing good. And we, and, but for some reason, we get to that point. Last week we talked about, remember, getting so deep that we can't move, that we can only see so far, and we have to rely on God. And we get to that point, and some of us go, hmm. And we slide back. Whether you do the moonwalk, you slide back either way, right? God says, keep going, continue, continue to walk, continue to strive. There are going to be times when you're going to be deep, and the only thing that you can see is the only thing that God has for you, and you have a choice. You're going to move forward or you're going to slide back. God says, I'm going to bring you up, and I'm going to help you move forward, but you've got to choose. Continue to walk as children. What else does he say here? That's Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. This fragrant offerings, excuse me, fragrant offering is a sacrifice to God. Leviticus chapter 1 talks about three different offerings that the Jews would come before. Some would bring a full bull. Some would bring a goat, kind of a sheep. And some would bring a pigeon. Sometimes that was all that they could afford. At times, and what the whole purpose of it was is where is your heart? How much are you willing to sacrifice? You think about that. At that time, a bull was substantial. The bull was the one that did the work for you, did something for you, provided for you, provided for the farming or the grain or whatever. That helped out, right? So if you were willing to sacrifice a bull, and not the fact that you were trying to be arrogant, but you're saying, God, you gave that to me. I'm sacrificing hugely for you. Huge sacrifice, right? What about in our life? What sacrifice have we given up lately? For some, it was a pigeon or goat. That's all they had. The point of here was the fact that God said, look, give all you can give. And the point of it also was this. They burned the whole thing except for the skin. And they left the skin to the priest. And the reason why they did that it's to remind the priest and others, like, look, your sacrifice comes from your insides, from your heart. The outside, what people see, but it's what's on the inside that really matters to God. And they consume the whole thing. So the sacrifice, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than someone to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Lay down his life for his friends, for us, so that we may have life, so that we can walk in the light. Verse 4, or excuse me, verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not, let's just stop right there. Sexual immorality or covetousness. Covenants long for, desire for, consume with desire, wish for, dream of. As I was reading this verse, I couldn't help but to come to the story of David and Bathsheba. 
king of Israel. Had it all. God blessed him, right? Had it all. Sitting upon his little porch there overlooking the city. He sees a beautiful woman a ways off. Calls to one of his servants and says, hey, who's that woman? Goes on. That's, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Uriah's wife, thank you. Went blank there for a moment. Uriah's wife. Call to her, bring her here. David already had wives. David already had children. Yet he was covetous over somebody else's. Even to the point he slept with her. Even to the point he had Uriah on the front lines and had him killed. Cover it up. If you don't know the rest of the story, David had problems the rest of his life with his children. One after another, doing things. One raping the other, doing all kinds of things. Guys, there is consequences to our sins. If we're in that sexual immorality, there is a consequence. It may not be right then, it may be down the road. But there are consequences to when we sin sexually. Covetousness, that desire. David desired for something that wasn't his. How many times do we desire for something that's not ours? Or we wish for? You know, I always have, Diane always joking around. You know, when I see the lottery get up to, you know, 65 million, 150 million, right? We start doing what? Ah, or we see these big houses. We'll get one of those one day, right? Yeah, when we win the lottery. Neither one of us play it, so we know we're not going to win it, right? <laughs> but how many of us get to that point? God, if I had this, I could do this. God, if you would bless me with this, I could do that. Would we? Here's what I tell here's what I hear God telling me. Be content with what you have. Be wise with what you have. I've made a lot of stupid choices being in my younger days. Especially with money. And luckily I had a dad and now a wife who is very much more wiser than I am and keeps me on track of what we want to do. Think about what you have, guys. You know, for me, it was eating out lunch every day when you're single. Eating out constantly. There's no much telling how much money I spent on food. Two things now get my lunch packed every day, not eating out as much, lost some weight, right? Consequence of not eating out every day. Hopefully you're looking better, right? But then, okay, what can I do with that money? Ask them, God, what do you want me to do with the rest? Debt paid off. By debt free, frees you a lot more to do things with your money, right? A guy can bless you with. But the problem is, when we become covetous, we desire for that more and more. And we're not just being content with what we have. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. This filthiness, it's, the shameful or, it's kind of the shameful or obscene jokes. Or the filthiness, excuse me, or the foolish talk. The foolish talks talk about buffoonery or clownery. This refers to one who constantly cannot take anything serious. 
in a serious mode, they're the ones that have to break in with a, jo with a joke, an improper joke. It'll so lighten up the mood, right? I think about times when I'm in, when I was a student minister, and we'd be preaching, and I'd be talking to them, whether in Bible study or whatever. There was always one kid <laughs> that has to have the stupid question. Right there, Chris, you're shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. Chad, you know what I'm talking about. There's always that one person that's like, hey, Rob, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about, right? has nothing to do with the subject, and you just want to go, get out. But you can't, and sometimes I did. I'm like, look, in this moment, can you just shut it? That's what I'm thinking inside. But on the outside, I'm like, okay, let me talk about that later, but let's get back to this. But there's always that one. Hopefully you're not that one. The foolish talk or the crude joking. Being in construction all my life, I thought concrete guys were the worst. Not roofers, not framers. It was the concrete for me, the guys. Because we, I was doing trim work, and it was the concrete guys that would come in. Every morning, there's either something, or especially Monday morning, they were talking about what they did that weekend. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to it. Like, you would make me shameful. But it was constant. Who are you hanging out with? Firefighters. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Chris. You had that look like, I know what you're talking about, Rob. But not saying you, because you're probably a lot like me, and we just walk away from it, right? Think about that. Who are we hanging with? Who's in our company? Are we joining in? Or are we standing up? Verse 5, going to the next one. And everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater. Think about the idolatry. It's one who is consumed, lives out, practicing. Idolater is one who is worshipped. Their life's focus, money, desires, and action goes towards something or someone other than God. Think about this. Everyone who is, who is, is practicing. Can you come out of it? Oh, yes. In fact, we heard a testimony a couple weeks ago. What about for you? Is there sexual morality in your life that you need to repent of? The covetousness that's going on in your life that you need to repent of? Is it something that you're practicing? Is it something that you're a part of that you can't let go, that the only reason you can let go is to say, God, I need you. I need you to not only forgive me, but help me to turn. Not 360, right, because you're just going right back, but turn what? Turn 180. And what I used to tell my students is this, run. Don't walk, Run. Get your rear end out of that situation and run. Same thing for us. Is there a situation right now in your life that you're being covetous about that's in prayer, that is in that darkness that where we're not supposed to be, that you needed to go, you're right, I'm looking at nothing but darkness, God, help me to repent, boom, and turn and hightail away from that, whatever that is. And once you begin to do that day by day and begin to walk towards God, guess what happens? That becomes far away. It becomes less and less. 
what is it, a habit after 90 days becomes part of your life? So if I can get to the gym for 90 days straight, I think I'll be good, right? That's probably not going to happen. But if I can get on my knees for 90 days straight, how many lives can be changed? First, we talked about walking with God, and we talked about walking in love. Last part of that five, it says that the idolatry will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And we talked about can they be forgiven? Yes. One who accepts Christ as Savior and repents, turns away from the sin, has an inheritance. They have that home in heaven. They have a job in heaven. Whether it's street, sweeping the streets or ruling or whatever it is, that job is there for us. Next part, walk in the light. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Think about that empty, verse 6, empty. Hollow words with no substance or meaning. No truth to what they are saying. If you ever doubt what somebody is trying to teach you or tell you, go to God's words first and foremost. Second, if you're still struggling with what it is, find somebody you trust who knows God's words and bounce it off of them. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, I had a brother in Christ call me this week saying, hey, Rob, I need to talk. And all he was doing was bouncing stuff off. The question is, can you also be that person who people listen to you? And I'm saying I'm perfect by any stretch of the means. But obviously they trust me enough to call me. And I was willing to drop what I was doing and say, oh, hey, let's chat. But go to the Holy Spirit first. So many times we forget to go to him. We do an altar call, especially when I was younger with students, you know. Um, they always wanted to come to me and talk to me. And I said, have you talked to God first? No. Boom. Go talk to God first. I think sometimes we forget that he's there. Remember last week we talked about under new management? That new management, Holy Spirit in our life? Use them. Rely on them. Second thing, the wrath of God comes on sons of disobedience. Whether sexual immorality, whether covetousness, if you are practicing those, if you are in that and you have not repented, wrath is coming. It's called hell. Whether we like it, whether we want to agree with it, that's what's coming for those who are sons of disobedience. Verse 7, though, it says this. Therefore, that big therefore again, says do not become partners with them. Talking about the sons of disobedience. Now, I took this new job as a salesperson. You know, you, we talked a little bit last week about what a sales guy could probably look like. They're creepy. They're, you know, it's going to lie to you all the time, right? And so one of the things I asked my boss when I took this job was this, or I told him this, I am not lying to make a sale. This is not happening. I'm not selling something to somebody that they don't need. I 
I wonder how many times for us do we have temptations or we have issues or we have circumstances that present us and say, hey, if you do this, which is not totally right, you can benefit it this way. I remember when I was young, I was reading a letter from my Uncle Wayne. He worked for a huge corporation called Billy the Kid. I don't know if y'all anybody remember that. It's a clothing line. An opportunity presented to him that was going to make him bigger, better, successful. But he had to do something that he didn't believe was God's part of God's characteristics. So he left this huge job. He turned away because he wasn't going to do what they were asking him to do. Next thing we know, he's being a counselor and a preacher, serving God in a different way. Guys, I can't tell you what's going to happen when we choose, when we say no to those circumstances in our life that present in front of us. But what I can say is, God's got something else for you that probably is a lot better. Excuse me, there's no probably about it. That is a lot better for you and your family. For those things that come in our life that we have a choice, whether to disobey God and his characteristics or turn and look at him and follow him, I hope we pray and turn and follow him. It says don't become partners with him. Just because it looks good doesn't mean that it is good, especially when we have to become disobedient. Verse 8 For at one time you were in the darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Last Sunday we talked about this darkness of not seeing the truth, living for yourself. Living in shame because of the things that one has done that are not of God. We talked about being callous, that feeling no pain. And by the way, I made a grave mistake last week, and I have to apologize to you. I just realized this. When we were talking about being callous, I did talk about Chad being in the Army. I apologize. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this. I apologize. I meant to say military, and I should have said Marines. He is in the Marines. There's no doubt. Okay? So in front of God, him, and the whole congregation... I repent of my sin <laughs> of saying that. But we talked about being callous, that, that hardness of heart, that there is no feeling there, right? And here he's talking about, okay, now, once you were in that, in that darkness, now that you're in the light, I think about this too. Things that live in the dark. I kind of was Googling this week, things that live in the dark. I lived on the Alabama River. My grandfather and I would use catfish. Those things lived in the dark. They had eyes, but they couldn't see anything. When they were swimming around, I realized that, look, those little feelers that they have, that's how they moved around. And it's kind of like something like this, is those people who are living in the dark can't see the light, can't see the truth. They're just kind of going through the motions and getting everything garbage because that's what catfish eat. Anything at the bottom, they would eat, funnel through, whatever. Same thing with people in the dark. All they're doing is funneling garbage in their life getting worse and worse, not seeing the light, not going to the light, not living out the truth, but they're just funneling garbage. 
says, now you live in the light, walk as children of light. We go back to that children part that you are a child of God. And that if God is light, we are to also walk in that light. Don't let yourself fall back into the darkness. Walk in that continuing motion to move forward in your spiritual life. Continue to grow, to learn, to be challenged, to rely on the Holy Spirit in everything. Know that there is a reason and a purpose for everything you do and do it for the glory of God. As we talked about last week, set your heart and mind on God. We talked about Ephesians chapter 23 and 4, 8 and the characteristics of God. I want you to listen. They're not going to be on the screen. I want you to listen to these two verses. And just kind of just clear your mind for a moment and just listen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Name one thing you got from those two verses. Sean. What else? Stop grumbling. Be example to others. Renewing of your mind. A lot of us, a lot of times, when we talk to God, when we talk about listening to the Holy Spirit, how many of you really be still to listen? This chair doesn't fall. But how many of you be still, listen? The reason why we just did that, and I didn't have it on the screen, is because we listen with our ears, not with our eyes, right? How many of you take time just to listen to what the Holy Spirit has for you? We go back to this and the fact of a lot of times we really don't rely on the Holy Spirit. Probably because we're not listening. Some of us probably are not being still enough to listen. Maybe you're asking, Rob, how do you listen? <laughs> My first comment to you was, be still. All the things that are going on in your mind right now, do your best to clear it. It is probably the hardest thing I've had to learn and do. To be still. When I was a student minister, I would go to the church during times and go to pray. And I'd go to the sanctuary. And we had both churches at Fairfield and at Camden, both had steps 
we called the altar, right? And so during the week, I'd go to the altar, go to the steps, kneel down and pray. And I won't forget this one time I was, I was praying. And I remember it being a cloudy day. I remember it being a gloomy day. And I remember the sun wasn't supposed to shine at all that day. But as I was praying, it was like a light. I never looked up to see where it was coming from. I didn't, like, turn around, see if it was coming through the window. I didn't do any of that. I just kept being still. And I don't even remember what I was praying over, but it must have been something amazing because God, it felt like just God was shining his light right there on me. be still if you want God to speak to you do great things through you be still about the hardest thing I've learned but the most rewarding thing when it comes to my spiritual life in that time of being still verse 10 says this And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now we literally live in an and we live excuse me we live in a world where information is literally at our hands, right? That phone that we have, the computer that ha we hold every day, just about. Anytime there's a question, what do we do? Hey Siri, or Google, right? Especially with kids. Diana and I talked about it this week. She does a project with her students. In fact, she actually tells them to go to a paper and look up articles. That's unheard of, right? It's probably inhumane, right? You know? But the reason she does it is because she wants to, one, get them active and actually go do something and not just have it at their fingertips. Two, she wants them to help them understand um, the articles of the Constitution, am I right? Okay? And so she makes them actually write out or type up Something of whatever article they read has to do with that Constitution. Can you believe that? It's not just going to, a, to the computer going, okay, let's... Oh, there it is. We think, I think sometimes we've lost the art of going and reasoning, of discerning. We, lack, we lost the art of actually thinking about something. Right? Because what do we do? Because a lot of times we actually want meals in what, 30 seconds, a minute. Remember when you used to do popcorn over the stove? It would take minutes. Maybe five or more, right? And now we get in two minutes. And that's not even fast enough for kids, right? Dinners used to take longer. Now they have the ready-made dinners. Hallelujah, <laughs> right? <laughs> But what would you rather have, Dale, homemade or a 30-second 30 30 dinner? I'm sure you would. I would rather have the homemade. Try to discern what is pleasing. Do we think about the things we read, we watch, or even experience? Or we just accept it and say, it's there, so it must be true. Guys, we have help through the Holy Spirit to give us that guidance to help us discern what is pleasing. Verse 11 through 14, last part here says, walk, 
to me is this walk away from darkness. We walk in love, we walk in light, now let's walk away from the darkness. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. I was just writing down a few things. Adultery ruins marriages and families. Stealing ruins other people's lives. Foul language and foolish talks make someone look stupid and unwise. Covetousness hurts others to get what you want and you desire. Walk away from those things, but it says this, but expose them. How hard is it to stand up to those around you that are in the darkness and for you to share the light? Convict, reprove, and stand against the darkness. I do believe that there is a right way to argue about things that are false. For me, in this, in this case right here, I, I do remember incidents where I played co-ed softball. And if you've been around the softball world, you know that if not all, but there's a majority of women who are lesbians who play softball. It's this culture that it's growing. And on my co-ed softball team, all the girls were lesbians. And I did my best to be a light to them. And how I knew that is because I could have a conversation with them about their lifestyle and it not be an argument. Impressive, huh? Because a lot of times that goes, blows up, arguments happen, but I can sit there and have a discussion. And here's the thing is, I hope in some form or fashion I just planted a seed. Because it was just for a season. And then we would have a grill out, and I was at the, it was actually at her house, her and her partner's house, and we had a grill out, and we were sitting there, and we were just having a conversation about her lifestyle and my lifestyle. About how she, actually she used to be a Christian and how she got into that lifestyle. And why I believe what I did, and it was a conversation. I don't know how, but it was, all I know was the Holy Spirit was part of that conversation. We have people all the time that want to argue, right? And it blows my mind because I want to walk away from an argument. It says, when you can have a conversation, come talk to me. If you want to argue, cool down. But there is a way to do it and rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. When it comes to exposing the people in the darkness, you can have a conversation with somebody. You can be a light to those around you. Verse 12, even shameful to speak of these things. How's our talk around others? Do we openly gossip? Do we talk about unfruitful things with others? Do we lie to others? Speak falsely of others? You know, you think about that word shamefully. It's an ugly behavior that is indecent and offensive to modesty and purity. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Think about this. You're in the woods, or at your house, could be either one. You roll over that rock, turn over that log or that split log, 
What's all up in there? Bugs, right? The ones that's all rotten out. You turn that over and you got all those bugs. What do they do? They scatter back to the darkness. That's where they live, right? Pretty nasty. A lot of us go, oh, right? Little kids are like, oh, what's this? You know, and pick it up. You know, it's a black widow. Don't touch it. Um, hopefully they'll understand what that is. Same thing in our lives. Anything in our lives that's exposed by light. In our own life, a lot of times we want to deny. We want to come callous. We want to scatter. So I don't want to deal with that right now, God. Can we deal with that later? And we scatter back to the darkness. Or do we repent right then and there? We get on our knees. We talk about that psalm. Come into the altar. No, we don't have an altar here, but you have knees. Bow down before him. Guys, guess what? If you're not bowing down now, you're going to later. It says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that he is God. I'd rather bow down now and do it willfully and do it willfully when I get there. Verse, <clears throat> repent. We can scatter like the bugs or we can repent, repent and have a life of freedom and no longer hiding in shame. Verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is a light. Paul mentions light five times in the verses 8 through 14. He mentions this word light. Five times. Do you think it was important? Light. God is light. When he's seriously talking about the just, the true, being righteous, being the light in a world that is dark. And are we being the light? Even in our church name is what? When I say we are church, it's being the light? I think so. The things that I see us do, things that you're a part of, I believe so. God, help us the day that we're not. And I hope somebody would stand up, be convicted enough, call everybody out, and say, hey, why are we not being the light? It's in our name. Last part here. It's coming from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. But it says, and it, Isaiah was, talk, was kind of finishing up his fact of going to the glory of God. And he was talking about all their past sins, but now they're going into to the glory of God. And he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper. It's dead. But in this passage, it's talking about this fact of being just like when we're sleeping. And how many of you have a window that the sun just comes straight in because your blinds aren't blackened or darkened? And at 6.30 or whatever time the sun comes up, I know it's getting later and later now, but it comes in, what's that sun do? Shines. It's the same concept right here. It's that picture of this, that sun coming down, shining on you so that you'll wake up and that you will rise. Get off your rear end. Get up and go do. Go serve. Go be. Not part of the darkness, but part of the what? 
when we live out God's characteristics daily with the help of the Holy Spirit, you shine. People will see. People will be attracted to you. People will respect you. And then with the biggest thing I think is the best part when that happens, you and I get to share Jesus. Closing part, I worked at Walmart for about a year, two years. Third shift at night. Darkness. Walmart. Put it two together. You got what I'm talking about. People would come in all the time. Crazy people. <laughs> Workers. Little sleep. Attitudes. Just imagine. Once those workers, though, found out that I was a preacher, that was my new nickname from then on out. But what happened was, is I woke up to the fact, oh, people are looking at me. Oh, they're coming to me for advice. Oh, I'm talking to you for 15 minutes about this. Because I'm the preacher. Guess what, guys? You're all preachers. Whether you like it or not. Maybe you don't stand up here on Sunday morning, but guess what? You're a preacher when you step into that work office. You're a preacher when you step into your home. You are a preacher in the fact that you are a child of God who's living in the light. And guess what? You know God's word. And it's your responsibility to tell others. It's your responsibility to be a light. It's your responsibility to shine like a star everywhere you go so that people will know you're a child of light, you're a child of love, and you're a child of God. You're walking with God. You walk in love, you walk in light. Instead of, I put on here, walk away from darkness, run from darkness. Father God, we thank you for you and for who you are. And I thank you that we are a child of yours. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to rely on, to depend on, to guide us, to direct us. Father, I pray for each of us in this room. That we will continue to be. That we'll continue to walk. That we'll continue to move forward. That we'll continue to grow, be strengthened. So God, that we are light in a dark world. That we're shining because of what you're doing in our lives so that others will see and respond. But we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. A couple ways to respond today. We do have our offering and communion on each side. That communion is just remembering of what Christ did for us on the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed. As your offering, as I mentioned last week, to me is just an act of just giving up a portion of what God's given to you. Singing. I thought it was a nice touch with the violin, not, you know. Amazing. Thank you. The band's awesome anyway, but then you had that little extra touch with the violin, right? Sing. Sing like you've never sung before. Maybe you actually mean the words today. Not just regurgitate them. And I'll be over here in the prayer. Just Joyce and Phil are not here. I'm taking their spot today. But I'd love to pray with you.